what's going on you're locked in to no long talk with me marvin sparks this is the second part of the kabaka pyramid no long talk reasoning in case you never heard the first part just log on to the soundcloud which is soundcloud.com slash no long talk or you can search it on itunes oh yeah and you can follow us on the twitter which is at it's no long talk it's no long talk the first part was more about the experiences that shaped his lifestyle which then informed his lyrics this part is more about his experiences since being in the music game and being a part of the reggae revival movement or neo roots movement so we speak about why he was more pursuing the hip-hop side over the reggae side and why since he's moved back to jamaica he's been fully on the reggae stuff he tells me about a friend who died that was part of the Bebel Rock camp and how that inspired him and his group to pursue the music thing much harder. He tells me how he believes hip-hop and dancehall's at its lowest point, where he sees the Neo Roots movement standing within this. He addresses the criticism about the new Roots movement being made up of uptown youths and whether this is a hindrance on them making an impression on the grassroots Jamaica. His relationship with dancehall and dancehall artists being the artist's artist. And while touring has become the most important source of making money for artists, why he says he's not actually that interested in touring and that he's never been someone that's been short of money. So yeah, stay locked. Here's part two. Remember, this ain't a catch-up, it's no long talk. Going back to your beginnings as an artist, mm -hmm. first you was doing hip-hop. Mm -hmm. What was that like when you came back to Jamaica? Well, what I would say is a lot of people, you know, have it that I was just doing strictly hip-hop, but I was always working on the, the, the reggae side, but there was a challenge vocally because I didn't really have a background in singing, you know, so hip-hop just came easier because it's less focus on melodies, it's just really flow and lyrics. So I used to put out more, I used to feel more confident putting out my hip-hop stuff. I'd voice hundreds of reggae songs, but just keep them to myself, you know what I mean? But um, what was the question again? Um, like, how difficult was that when you brought it back to... Oh, when I came back to Jamaica? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I so, know that there is a hip-hop scene here, but... Yeah. Obviously... That's the thing. There, there was no real... There was no real outlets even in America where I was. So I was still just recording largely for myself. You know, and just sending to people that I know and stuff. And when I came back to Jamaica, the hip-hop community kind of experienced as, as a little revival. You know, because around when I left around 2003 or so there was there was you know hip-hop events and stuff and then it kind of died down for a while and then when i came back and the whole bebel team you know reassembled and you know we're just making crazy music we put out a double cd you know bebel business plus a taiwo album taiwo is like a bridging who was like the top rapper in the group from way back in the day you know, but he passed away, he was killed in 2007. Okay, was that in Jamaica? Yeah, oh, Okay. you know what I mean? He actually 
he actually lived in, in, in the UK for a while too. Okay. Yeah, so he had an interesting accent, you know, when he spoke, because there was a slight bit of British left in it, you know, and he rapped with like a Jamaican accent. Okay. You know, so it was, it was an interesting, you know, him is still, you know, like one of my favorite rappers them. So like, when he, when he passed, you know, he kind of galvanized us again as a unit. So like, you know, we reformed and like me, T, that, you know, Coro, you know, Chad, Massey, Roxy, Sassman, all of us, you know, making music together like a kind of Wu-Tang group. You know, we put out the, the, the album and then I put out another mixtape, Transition Volume 2. The first volume I did put out when I was up in, in the States. But it was really just people in Jamaica knew about it. You know, and, and yeah, the music was dead. It's, it's circulated around the hip-hop community. So, you know, but after a while, I just realized it wasn't really progressing. You know, like there was just so much of a fight in a Jamaica for hip-hop. Uh, one thing about Jamaica, we have a, a collective ego. And it, it manifests in just Jamaican culture, but very much in reggae music. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Because I'm not going to lie, me as a Jamaican... Uh, yeah. As an English person, yeah. I personally wouldn't be too interested in hip-hop coming from Jamaica. Jamaica. I mean... I can understand why people will make it because they rate it and stuff, yeah. but like, as a, like, I'm not really that interested in hip hop from UK, sure. to be sure. honest. Sure. Like, so I just see it as more of a reflection of a culture, yeah. as yeah. opposed to a sound and a, and a way that it's delivered yeah. and stuff. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, so man, for sure. For that's sure. why, like, to me, I appreciate what you do because I can hear that you've got hip hop in you yeah. by, like, the way that you, um, like, your rhyme schemes. Of I course. think that the way that you, say what you're saying like not necessarily just your delivery but yeah. as far as like the way that you um what's the word like the way you create your rhymes yeah yeah man. i can I tell exactly. that you come from a hip-hop background exactly. but then you've brought that onto the reggae you've got the timing of a reggae artist so that to me is like one of the things that that make me stand that out, make you know stand out exactly and that was the whole objective mm. you know what i mean so that was like that was planned and 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 you know, I decided that, yeah, because, like, Kabaka was actually from the reggae side and, like, Pyramid was from the hip-hop side. So it's, like, just fusing them together, that, that kind of new identity. And, you know, because I, I was doing, like, when I did reggae, it just it just sounded like reggae. There was always lyrics in there, but I was trying to sound like a sizzler, like, you know? Yeah. But I just realized, you know, I can't do this with simple melodies and still have that hip-hop vibe you know so i just focus on that and just been developing that song ever since so you mentioned wu-tang before mm. and kabaka pyramid does kind of sound like you would have been like exactly. a member of the wu-tang exactly. clan so i'm guessing they were um major influence uh, major influence yeah sure. who was your favorite member of wu-tang jizza okay yeah but i later began to appreciate Ghostface and Raekwon okay, like yeah. heavily. Um, my first favorite was Inspector Deck. Yeah. Is yeah. that anything to do with the um, Trump verse? Because <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. something that you could have said. Yo. 
Obama atomically, Socrates, philosophies and hypotheses Can't define it why we dropping these mockeries Lyrically perform armed robbery, <laughs> flee with the lottery Possibly they spotted me Yo, trust me, yeah. brilliance Yeah, yeah, yeah Brilliance yeah. I put inside that whole song Because when you said Jizza, I was kind of thinking, oh, okay, cool Because yeah. I would have thought it would have been Inspector Deck, so Deck, yeah. Yeah. Nah, man, Deck was Because Deck just got me with the the rhyming and, and the whole scheme and flow. But it's like, after a while, you start listening to what Jesus say. Mm. And then him just do these songs that just blow you away. Like songs like labels, where I'm just using all the names of labels in him songs. And then him have another one where he use all the names of like American football teams. Him have another one where he use the name of like famous people. It's like, and him just interspersing it throughout the song. You know, so Jesus is a mastermind, man. You know? Um, who else would you say were influences? Um, Common, Nas, of course. Yeah. Talib Kali, most deaf. So know. like the backpack rap? Yeah, as they were yeah. You know? True school and mine and them kind of vibe there. Yeah, yeah. But then, man like Cannabis too. Oh, yeah, of Straight course. lyricist, big pun. You know, Eminem, when him just, just come out, we used to listen to him all day. Like, from him second album, man, I stopped listening to Eminem. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But, like, the freestyle stuff on the first album. Was just I did like the second album, though. Yeah, that, yeah it, was, it was cool, it was cool. That was, like, the Yeah, I think one, it's though. after that, yeah. Do you know what? The Eminem show did have some songs on it, though, you know? Yeah. Like, Till I Collapse with um, Nate Dogg. Yeah, true. true but, like, true. as a whole... Yeah. Him it's just start flowing different. different. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know? And him never stopped. Like it's just this kind of annoying flow where I'm have now where the can't really identify. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I can't identify with it. So, um how would you say like your style is because I mean like liberal opposer, that is you spitting like hip hop, but then like when you spit on like a worldwide lover or something like that. I wouldn't even say worldwide love, you know. I'd say say like. Wait, wait, wait. Like, I thought you was getting at the other spectrum. No, because oh. what I'm saying is like you have like the hip hop side that you do, but then when you do like, I'm wondering like what's the thought process? Like how do you change your style when you're doing like something that's more geared to hip hop and then. Well, not even geared towards, but more of an expression of your hip hop side and something that's more of an expression of your reggae side, dance side. Just come down side. to the rhythm. Okay. Just come down to the rhythm, like whatever the rhythm tell me to do. So, like, I'm more comfortable with them hip hop sounding rhythms, with like simple chord progressions and and things that just have a bounce and a flow. But you know, other type of rhythms, I would still feel them and want to like do a more sing J style on them. You know, or send more profound lines instead of intricate lyrics. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what I was more kind of going to get at, yeah. yeah. As far as, like, lyrically. Because, obviously, it's a simpler form. Because exactly. to me, reggae is, like, something that is, like, direct communication, whereas with yeah. hip-hop, you have to sit there and really think sometimes, and sometimes you don't yep. even really get what the man's on about. But exactly. it's put together. That's well, so the hardest that's like thing a to balance. Yeah, yeah. It's the hardest thing to balance. Cause I want to make music where people have to think. And like you hear a line, and then maybe five seconds later you say, "Boom, buckler!" What the man just said a while ago, you know what I mean? But that's the type of music I want to make. But being a, being successful at reggae, 
difficult to do that. Yeah. I mean, why would you say that there is that difference where... Is it the way how people consume the music in a sense of with hip-hop, like you said, you prefer when it's got simple, um, mm -hmm. good progressions and it's like usually a simple mm -hmm. beat. Um, that kind of gives you more space as a listener to listen to that, doesn't it? Whereas with reggae, you kind of feel the beat and yeah, you just more. want something to sing along to us exactly. and understand straight away. Beat the nail on the head. Okay. Music is more just about, reggae is more about the groove and the vibe. Like when you go reggae shows, a lot of the time, especially in the verses, they don't care what you're saying in the verse. They want a chorus that they can sing along to, and if not, them just bounce to the rhythm. You know, I guess maybe you go places, and hip hop shows are similar, but yeah, and then and then and then uh, yeah, nowadays hip hop has been dumbed down yeah. completely. Yeah. So it's it's more like there, there there was a change in hip hop. Like I think hip hop and reggae evolved very similarly. You know, there was like the time when auto-tune and them things that come in, like everybody in hip-hop started singing. Same way everybody cartel starts singing, everybody in dancehall starts singing. You know, and then it's like the type of things that them saying in hip-hop now is directly parallel to the things I'm saying in dancehall. Yeah, yeah, it's complete sure. rubbish. You know what I mean? The content just diminish 100% down to nothing. You know, every song sound the same. So. Yeah, and um, because I mean, like the Sing J style of stuff has always been there within dancehall. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as you said, with when the auto tune came out, that's when like everybody went yeah, onto that because exactly. like, there was a stage when people were more geared towards being like a car. I mean, a killer. Sorry, by yeah. killer, which was like yeah, a more lot, a lot of people used to DJ. Like yeah, enough people said nobody don't DJ no more. Mm. Everybody I try to use more melodies and like a singy singy chorus or whatever. But, and I kind of worked with like, because obviously Movado was on the rise and was mm -hmm. running things at that point, so yep. it was the style that everybody followed. Yeah, it's the same time like T Pain and yeah, T Pain, kind of yeah, exactly. Just, and then you had the Kanye West thing. dropped Airways and Heartbreaks, and then Drake followed that, mm -hmm. so the mm -hmm. whole thing went. Yeah, yeah, and it has been kind of like a cultural exchange to a certain extent, of course, but of not course. necessarily for the better. No. But um, that brings me on to another point. Mm -hmm. Two songs that you've got, No Cliche and Lockdown the Place. <laughs> which are two songs that I would say are like, as you were just saying, criticisms of the latest trends in dancehall. Yep. Um, because lockdown the place is on a dancehall rhythm. Mm -hmm. No cliche. New cliche. No cliche is on a reggae rhythm, isn't it? It's an old school dancehall rhythm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. There to do with your criticisms of and like the what they call neo-roots or mm -hmm. reggae revival movement has kind of come at a time when, I don't know, it's like it was meant to be like right now because it came at a time when people were getting disillusioned with dancehall and the direction of it. Yeah, I think dancehall has reached like its lowest point right now and I think it's only natural that something rise up to counteract it. You know what I mean? But the problem is a lot of us not doing dancehall music. So it's like our music don't, it don't penetrate to the, the frequency that these dancer songs are. You know, Chronix did it. You know, I was able to break them barriers, but him not really putting out dancehall music consistently. You know, so I felt that we collectively as this movement need to have more of a presence in the dancehall, because at the end of the day, that's where the people are in Jamaica. You know what I mean? We can 
we can have all this influence abroad, but at the end of the day, people abroad are already waking up. You know what I mean? It's like I go to places and just the amount of organic food that you have available in those regular supermarkets around the world and them things that don't exist in Jamaica. You know what I mean? So it's like my, my focus for the last at least six months has been how can I reach to these people here in Jamaica. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm a touch certain shows like Tivoli Jamboree, Ghetto Splash, you know, shows don't Sting. receive you, where they wear this thing. You know, shows like that because I feel like the message I have is needed in them places. You know what I mean? And it's like if I can do something for contribute to the awakening of the people, I have to at least make an attempt. You know? Plus there's, you know, individual reasons too because at the end of the day, you can have a successful career without being established in Jamaica, but being established on a household name in Jamaica only elevates your international possibilities. You know what I mean? And so it's almost like I use the international platform to kind of gain some recognition out here. And now it's like I want to use, gain more recognition out here and use it to elevate the international platform again. So it's like just going back and forth. Yeah, it's two types of credibility, isn't it? Yeah, the international course. recognition kind of makes people here wake up, but then mm-hmm. people over here kind of seal you at like ground level, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. For when you go forth, exactly internationally. Exactly. Um, what you said there was a really good point because that's something that I tweeted mm-hmm. like last year that it would be good to see more artists from the new movement mm-hmm. to go back into to go not back into yeah. to go into dancehall as you know, that is where the people mm-hmm. go and listen and those are the sort of messages. And I mean, you look at people like Capleton and mm-hmm. as you mentioned before, Sizzler, they used to go back and forth because you would have a of song course. like Crazy Jow and mm-hmm. those kind of songs, but then you would do No Time To Gaze, which would go and burn down a dancehall. So yep. I always thought that that was something that was missing. That was the, the, the main thing that was missing of the, of the new newer artists that weren't yeah, really connecting yeah. as much. I don't want this thing to look like this posh thing, this kind of well-polished kind of you know pretty thing you know at the end of the day i will always do the music where i love mm-hmm. you know whatever type of music whether it's hip-hop dance or reggae you know i always want to have a presence i'm not really trying to limit my scope musically that much you know and i think that's what some people are do too much in nature yeah. because they think that it might hurt their brand if they go and do something else whereas mm-hmm. If, like you, you take your messages that you would have put on a different sound, because I mean that's what it is really, and it? it's different sounds exactly. that appeal to different people. So yeah. you just take the same thing, then you can't really hurt your your brand as such, can you? Yeah, it it's, it it only helps. Like the thing is, the only way it hurts is is when you're trying to put together a set to tour with, and then you have all these different sounding rhythms, and you have to flow them together. You know, so it, it that becomes the challenge. Like sometimes you have to perform your songs on different rhythms just to keep a certain energy going in your live show. You know, but out here in Jamaica, all people do in Jamaica is just sing the songs that people know. You know, if nobody don't know your song, you have to sing the song with the the most standout lines or the most punch lines or or the gimmicks or whatever. 
and that's just the law of Jamaica. Mm. You know, it's just really about having hit songs. You know, so the main thing is just to to do good songs and push them. Yeah. You know? But abroad, having hit songs will you know guarantee you a nicer performance. But it's really about the energy you give off. It's the interaction with the crowd. It's how the crowd feel about it. Jamaica, them not care about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, who would you say were the dancehall artists that you listened to growing up? Um, well, they don't know. I grew up uptown, you know what I mean? So, an artist like Sean Paul was a big artist to me when I was in high school. Well, majority of Jamaica, them said never rate him and thing. But, you know, Sean Paul, Spraga, you know, Bojo. Later on, we start listening to Sizzler Capleton, you know, um, Baby Sham, you know, Junior Gang. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what would, how would you define the difference between reggae and dancehall? <laughs> like what, what it, what it has come to be now, or like in its essence. Um, no, wait, a bit of both actually. Alright, if you could touch I, I on think, both. I think, I think historically, to be most accurate, dancehall is a place where you go to listen music. Music that particularly make you dance or feel good. You know what I mean? So, you would find nowadays that type of music is more, you know, upbeat. You know what I mean? More faster tempos. While, you know, so that that, that kind of clarifies modern dancehall music, you know. It's like a more more aggressive type of music that, that you know, force you to dance faster and things like that. Um, less emphasis on singing and grooving, you know. Reggae music now is more the groove. Reggae music for me def defined by the bass line. You know, so once the bass line moving a lot, like you know, that is how I identify reggae music. Whether it's you know one two or is one drop or steppers or whatever the drum pattern, for me it really come down to the, the movement of the bass line. It's okay. It's kind of hard. There's so many gray areas. Yeah, for sure. You know, and of, places where they cross over. Yeah, cause you know, a lot of time you'll just hear the, the and you feel that's reggae, but a man can put that in a dancehall rhythm mm. as well. So it's like you know, a tricky thing. And um, going back to the the new movement. Mm -hmm. Warrior is you with Protégé and produced by Chronix. Yeah, yeah Chronix and Teflon. Yeah. And Teflon, yeah. So, how did you first meet Protégé? And what was, what was that? How did that one go down? I think I probably met him at like a Jamnesia or some kind of event like that. And then Janine actually brought him to the studio here. And that's when I first, like, I think, really interacted with him. 
me and Cora was working on the song Better Must Come at the time from my first CD. That was before I knew I was putting out a CD or anything like that. And, you know, Proto, I guess he was listening to some of my stuff or that night he just took an interest and a couple months later, you know, um, because I was actually sleeping around the back here at the time. And um, he said he, he might be this, this place up in Stony Hill and, you know, there's a room up there where you can sleep and thing and you can just, you know, we can give you some facilities to make some music, you know, and we just took the opportunity and I was up there for a couple of months and, you know, just he had these beats and things that he got from young producers, you know what I mean, that he wasn't really using because he was working with Don at the time. So that's when I heard rhythms like Warrior Rhythm, Real Music, I Alone. That was from Zing Fence Camp, Chronix and Teflon. I didn't know who they were at the time. April 2011, I had a little birthday gathering up at Protoge's house. And that's when I met Chronix and Teflon. You know, and just crazy vibes with freestyling all night and singing and, and thing. It was just a great vibe and from then we just kept the link. You know what I mean? And just kept making music. Okay. And then did you because at that point there was there wasn't your generation really. Yeah, um, it wasn't established. We're yeah, it wasn't all, established, yeah. You were doing our own like a thing and you know, Proto was the main figure at the time, you know. Janine was doing things because she did a couple songs with Dan and they were getting enough radio play. And um, like Roots Underground were bands that we look up to as far as live music. Dub Tonic was doing them thing. C Sharp was another band, Uprising Roots. You know, a lot of these bands were around. So to see where it's at now, did you envision that at the when this was happening? No. Uh, I'm not that much of a vision, but it's like, you know, I just always try to remain in the moment throughout the whole process. But I think when, I think when Chronic started to blow up, it's like I really saw the possibilities of this thing. Because when, when Proto had his band, at that time, I, I didn't even think that I would be having my own band anytime soon, you know? But it's like when I see Chronix do it as somebody younger than me, you know what I mean? And, and all of us making a, a similar kind of music, I say, yo, this thing is real, yo. You know, but I, I typically don't even think like that. I just was always thinking about, you know, how, how, how I go stay, you know? What is my strength that I'm bringing to this thing? You know, what 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 is the qualities that I am emphasizing that I want people to to say Kabaka stand out because of what? You know, so I just always focus on the lyricism, and that just came natural to me. So everything else that you see, you know, the touring and the, the band and all of them stuff is just no no them things is just stuff to just make just facilitate the making of music, you know what I mean? And um, what would you say are like aims and goals for you, if if any? I mean, just to see the people wake up, 
you know um and to do that i want to travel the world you know i would love to touch africa south america australia them places i want to go next you know touch certain places in the east middle east you know eastern side of the world to hawaii them places i want to go and just feel different energies and just learn from different people you know because i mean you've taught Europe and I know you've done like West Coast of Africa. I actually saw you in, in Brixton, Hutanani. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a sick show, man. Right, sick yeah. show. I was like, because obviously it was your first time over there, so yeah. A, I was kind of thinking, right, I wonder how many people's going to be in there, yeah, but it was yeah. packed out in there. And then I was wondering, like, how, because obviously you say a lot of words in your songs, yeah, so yeah. I was wondering, like, how would you be able to deliver that? Because, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of artists out there that yeah. they'll just patch in the songs. So, it's line by line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was thinking, oh, I wonder if it's like gonna be ones where you're like, but there was none of that out of breath stuff. <laughs> you delivered like every word in every line. And, and you I know was, I, was I was sick that night too. I think I even talked yeah, about it. Yeah, you said it. Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, I was mad impressed. But I mean, to see that kind of going on like outside mm-hmm. of Jamaica, how how was that experience mm-hmm. for you? It was great, man. Like being on the road. <laughs> I always feel the best when I'm on the road. That was probably the only time I've been sick on the road since I've been touring. But like, I feel more at peace on the road. Like in Jamaica, the phone always ringing, somebody wants something from you and you know? It's like there's always too much to do in a Jamaica, but like when I'm on the road, you just, you know, on buses and trains, you, you just get a whole heap of time to think and just, yeah, it's like I haven't had any, any like really rough, rough experiences on the road. You know, it's always been good and it's just eager to just touch the next place. And sometimes when you're out there for like two months, you're kind of looking forward to going back home, you know. But always just at peace on the road, yeah. And London is a night, like I love London vibes. Like I feel like I could do a six months in London, just. Yeah, yeah. And how would you say that that kind of because obviously when you go out there you see what songs work, what mm-hmm. songs, what about certain songs works, which part people respond to, and that. So I'm guessing that's helped with you making songs going forward. Yeah, man, for sure. So you know when you learn them thing there and as performer, as a performer, you start to write songs thinking about how you can perform them. That's something I never used to do. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, the hip-hop approach is just certain masters of hip-hop really think about them live show. You know, a lot of it is just straight lyricism, and if the people know the songs, then, you know, you'll probably have a good performance, but if they don't, it might seem boring. That's know? a good point, you know, because I've seen, like, loads of hip-hop artists where yeah. it's been, like... You're not singing your songs. We don't know your songs, and it's not really the environment for us to learn your new song. Exactly. When you're saying too much. Exactly. And I remember even like Nas, saying when he made Illmatic. It was then when he had to go on tour. He was like, "How the hell am I meant to tour this? It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't made to perform." Shit. So he was like running out of breath when he was saying yeah, yeah. his lyrics and that. So that's something that you, you have kinda, to consider, like. The breathing, 
with writing has been a major thing I've been considering the last couple of years. You know, but I, I, when I'm writing, I always singing out. So that's something I learned from like, like years ago still from hip hop days. So I don't, I don't like to write and not be voicing out while I'm writing, so that I, I can always flow it from start to finish. You know, and I know where to take a breath in terms of where I need to and and flow that into the song. So that's something I learned, but it can always improve. So I've been improving with it more and just, you know, because it's good to have them fast lines, you know, but you just have to know how to balance it. Yeah. And performing to crowds that don't really understand English again is something that... Yeah, like, like fanfare is a major thing. Um, when I say this, you say that, you know, them thing there. Them little thing that them thing that is good. Um it keeps the fans active and you know a part of the whole process. As well as just having simple choruses. Yeah. With a little catchy line with like a two note that them can just sing out easily. You know, so that's important. Cause most of the time people not listening to your verses cause they can't really hear what you say. So a lot of people they sung like even the verse will be like a chorus yeah. and they have like a pre-chorus and then the chorus yeah. and then a bridge where it's very sing-along too but sometimes I can't, I can't bother I with all of that it. stuff yeah, yeah like you know I'm not really my music is not really my goal is not to be the best performer my goal is to write music where awaken the minds of the people you know what I mean? So, if being a better performer helps me to do that, then I will work on it from that perspective. But just to write my songs just so that they can be this kind of performance type thing is like a thing that will take away from me being able to say certain things. You know? I mean, with it being such a like performance driven industry right now, whereas like that's where you reap what you make of course income wise and such exactly but it's still not really like the priority as such it's more yeah it's because the, the, the money is not it's never been the priority for me like plain and straight I, I even when I don't have money I've never been poor you know what I mean in terms of the, the classic definition you know so like my father always provided for us you know so it's like I don't have that 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 hungriness for money, physical money, you know what I mean? Or just economic that 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 need. You know, so I I I don't make that drive how I go about my music. You know. It's more really about the impact that you have on people. You know, and having more impact means you know, you'll be more in demand, which means you can charge more so you can bring a full band instead of just cutting down the size of your band and only bringing a three piece or a four piece. So it's them thing that I more think about. Yeah, so just like trying to narrow it on 
not necessarily just your niche, but yeah. building like a core fan base and of such. Of course, of course. Where you know the debt, I get you. Of course. Um, going back to something you said, you're an uptown you. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the reggae artists that are out now mm-hmm. is considered to be like mainly uptown youth. In terms of the movement? Yeah, in terms of the movement, yeah. which I find quite interesting because in a sense you have uptown youths making songs that, you know, like downtown youths should make and then you get downtown youths making songs that uptown youths, you would think they would be making anyway, yeah. where it's like about I'm the best and, you know, I've got the money and yeah. that kind of stuff, which yeah. I find quite an interesting dynamic on, in it's terms crazy. of what's going on right now. I mean, it's just like when you pre the whole male and female dynamic. You find women being more masculine and men being more feminine. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of role switching that's happening in these times. You know, and what you point out is one of the things. And, you know, the thing is, a lot of the youths, all right, like, the whole uptown, downtown thing is more a mentality than anything. So like uptown people, them, you know, typically afraid to go in any ghetto because them feel like they're going to get robbed or something like that. Or if they're comfortable with that, they probably feel like they're on a higher status than these people or them can't dress like how somebody in the ghetto would dress or them have to maintain a certain standard or image to them life, you know, so... You know, there there are aspects of how much proper English you can speak. You know, them things that contribute to whether you're uptown or considered uptown or not. So a lot of the artists them in the movement, not really uptown in the sense of where them live. Like whether you live Cherry Garden or, or you know, Narbrook or Hope Pastures, which is typically these uptown type of places. A lot of you them come from country, like you know, Ibama come from Linstead, Escoliva come from Mandible, Proto come from Saint Elizabeth, you know. Spanish town are not really country, but Cranics come from Spanish town, you know. But the man them can articulate themselves well and present themselves a certain way, you know, so, you know, they might get that kind of uptown label, but, it's just it's so many things, yeah. even your complexion people will just assume, say, uptown because of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you think that's something that kind of, um, is like a, an obstacle, Yeah. when it comes to penetrating, like, the, Jamaica, the grocery structure, right? Jamaica, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. You know, I, I've actually, I've actually always had it in the back of my head that, that somehow I'm getting a fight because people might think I'm uptown, but I haven't faced that directly. Cause people will see me, and like, I have spoken to people. I sit down and reason with Shaggy for like four hours at a festival one time at a hotel and talking like how I'm talking now and he swore that I was born and raised in the ghetto you know what I mean so it's like the same thing with with baby Sham you know 
So just how I present myself and thing and the whole Rasta image is, is not associated with Uptown. So it's, 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 it's very tricky. So, you know, even though sometimes I feel like maybe if I did speak more Patuan thing, maybe people would have be able to relate to me further. At the same time, people, enough people probably still think he's a ghetto you. You know what I mean? Because I kind of identify more with ghetto people. Like, I feel, I feel, you know, I feel ghetto people kind of have a realness about them, you know what I mean, where, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, like, uptown people have a, a very pretentious, pretentious, yeah. pretentious vibe. Yeah. And they're more likely to judge you for your appearance, because exactly. uh, related to what you were saying a exactly. second ago, isn't it? Exactly. So, it's a tricky thing, it's a tricky thing, but I, I, my thing is as always about balance. I'm never comfortable on any side of a label. I like to just kind of balance a lot of different things. Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, in England, sometimes you you'll get like middle class, like for example, marches and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're mainly like kids that are in, in university, mm -hmm. come from like middle class backgrounds and stuff. And then like you'll get some people that will try and say, oh, they're just trying to be like down with the people mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff but to me personally I don't think that just because you're born into a certain like level of society yeah. so to speak means that you're going to think and be like that it doesn't no. and it doesn't mean that when you identify with like grassroots reasons doesn't mean that you're like trying to you know like trying to um, yeah. down yourself or anything like that true true and like sometimes some people try and say that about like the new reggae movement like it's all uptown youths or whatever and they're just trying to yeah. compensate for being in middle class but it's not yeah. really that to me personally but. yeah like that's that's what I say like I can't see that being said but I just haven't I haven't dealt with it yeah. first hand you know but people are entitled to say whatever they want to say you know, and that that will always be the case. But I know what my mission is, and you know nobody can really change that. And I just know that them manner, regardless of where them come from and how them look and how them talk, them manner just love music. More time, I feel like I love music the least out of all of them and them. Because me know. I know myself, like I don't sit down at the studio listening to music all day, you know, I, I, I more watch football, you know what I mean, I like play football but I still love music and, and I, will, I, will, I will be creating music more than even consuming music, you know, but when I, when I pre-hold Protégé just, you know, Mats out and and and, and pre out him whole approach to music and when I see how Chronics just studied the thing them and studied the legends them and you know create a whole image for himself and a whole you know musical philosophy you know man I have to commend the man them and say yo I really respect that because my my passion like that is more for understanding the universe rather than just being a top musician or whatever, you know? 
But I see music as an expression for that, for a purpose. Different from those loving music and wanting to be the baddest lyricist and them things that will come in, but, you know. You still have your own time yeah. to do what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and how, what's your interaction like with other dance artists? Because I'm sure, I'm sure it was you. When I was listening to Aria Fem, was it you that said that when you see Ninja Man, he doesn't hail you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just don't know who I am. Okay. You know what I mean? And that's just the reality. You know? Because people might know the name, but don't know who I look as well. And then people will call me Kibaki and Kabaki and all of them things. Get the name wrong and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure the man did that at Rebel Salute, didn't he? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Sting too. Oh, Sting, that's what it was. Yeah, Sting. Yeah, yeah, I think it was right at Rebel Salute, but Sting definitely was wrong. Yeah, that's the one that it was. So I had to, like, address it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but that happens all the time, all the time. And was it like your um, interaction with, like, any other dancehall artists? Yeah, man, a lot of them, yo, most artists, whether dancehall or reggae, them always tell me the same thing. Yo. Two things I must say, yo, I love what you know I do. I love all the young youth, they must step up in the thing. And the next thing they must say, yo, you married out of the whole of the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I've gotten that so many times. So I always like joke and say that I am like the artist, them artists. You know? But you have ones that are just out of the loop and do, them will know about Chronics alone and know about Protege, but them not really know about the rest of it. You know, so it's, it's enough. It's enough different dynamics are going, but countless amount of artists show me enough love yeah, when they're reason me. Because um, you know who you seem like someone, like when you were saying that, mm-hmm. one of the people that popped into my mind, and I was thinking, I reckon he would rate you as um, assassin Agent Sasko. Yeah, man, assassin Simeon say, oh, yeah. no, what word did he use? I think him say like X amount of respect or, or optimum respect or something like that. Like Taurus say him is my biggest fan. Bounty killer. Anytime I see the man, the man is like, yo. Bounty killer go up on, on stage and tell him say it's me and Kranix him listen. Yeah, I remember that. You know? Yeah. And, and, and and them kind of vibe. You know. I don't yeah, we had him a reason recently. Good vibes. Sean Paul. You know, I say I'm read the thing and just whole heap of artists, man. Whole heap. Every every artist, bling dog. Say yo, read the thing, read, read, read. Chiching, ching, even popcorn. You know, the yeah, respect yeah. of what I do. Whole heap of artists. So artist, any man. collaborations? Would you be interested in collaborating with those artists? artists? Or are there any in the like, yeah man, the yeah man, especially the lyrical man them. Hmm. Like, you know, but I love an opportunity for kind of show people, say, yeah, you know, them Rasta youth have lyrics, you know, upon any level. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I would love the artist, the song with any artist from a rate, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It don't matter who, as long as there's a vibe, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah but... I really, the artists I really want, the artists I really respect though is Queen Africa, just musically. Yeah. And as a person too, she, she always show me enough love. 
You know, all this, I want to do some work with her. Yeah, man, that would be sick. Yeah. Um, the song that I'm rinsing at the moment is um, Waiting For You. Man. Like, that tune there, yeah. And we haven't spoken about, like, songs for the females. And I remember yeah. at your concert, you said that you have to do some songs for the females because <laughs> the king and queen crown same time. Of course. So, that song there, what was the vibe in that one? Um, it's actually a, a song I wrote years ago on a different rhythm. That's actually like the third rhythm I've ever recorded that song on. You know, but Frost just, he played the rhythm for me and that was the first vibe that came to me for the rhythm. I recorded it later, but just, you know, I try to take a different approach, just like in Worldwide Love, like just a different understanding of love or a different approach to it. So like, may I say in this one, you know, I think there is a, at, at any point in time, it might not be one person for your entire life, but at any point in time, there is a one being out there that would resonate with you the best, you know? And I think that, you know, you know, we can always, you know, run down many different situations and opportunities, but it's good to develop that sense to know when you know, this are the right person. And sometimes if you have to wait, you know, because I've been in, in, in kind of almost like destructive kind of relationships. It's very stressful and it's like more time that person come along and you say, oh, what if I did just wait? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of where that comes from still, you know. But and then of course, Holy lyrics is kind of a personal song. So I talk about things like I'm just a soul on a journey. Need to find someone to help me know when my work is. Let me say, I know I'm not perfect. You know, I might say some things that make you perplex. Them say me egotistic, but that's now they want me ego twisted through them words to the, the surface. surface. Yeah, that's hard. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's that same kind of hip hop lyricism. Yeah, you know, yeah. But just on a different, a different vibe. That's something I want to ask you. This is like one of the last questions. With you being a raster, obviously you are who you are and you believe what you believe. But do you think like the perception that people have of people as a raster kind of affect you in a in a in a way? Like and kind of lim musically and personally, like because I mean obviously people have like what they see as a raster. Not to say that you do things that ain't a raster, yeah. but as in... No, man, I, the mere fact that I don't smoke. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's always, everywhere I go, people are ask me for lighter, or they might give me herb, or, you know what I mean? They might ask me if Bob herb and them thing there. So, I mean, but that's just on a basic level. I mean, there's many stereotypes for rasta that I don't necessarily fall into. But I still, I still like to represent Rasta and just highlight the positives. And even though I might not do something, I will still advocate for Herb, you know, because I believe in the benefit of it. Um, musically, I don't think, I don't think I do a lot of them atypical Rasta man songs. You know, like you know the Sizzlers, the Capitans back in the day, and and. Anthony B's 
So I don't think my music is like strictly that Rasta identity. You know, because I feel like there's so much more things to talk about that's happening in the world than just the fact that I'm a Rasta man or the fact that I hail his majesty. You know what I mean? Or the fact that we use herbs or the fact that, you know. So it's like I tend to touch other topics a lot. And not the way you see the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't really believe in like a chosen people. You know, I believe in terms of you you being associated with this philosophy meaning making you chosen. You know, I believe that the only chosen people are the people who really, you know, uplifting themselves and awakening them consciousness from within. You know what I mean? So them kind of mentality they're kinda of in conflict with how I view things. But um yeah, I still try to represent Rasta because I understand the importance of Rasta in this time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um lastly, will there be an album this year? Because you did the EP last year. Will there be an album this year? Like, what kind of projects have you got lined yeah, up and tours? I think the, the, the EP was actually the end of 2013. But we promoted it last year still. Okay, yeah. Definitely want to drop an album this year. Okay. Yeah, that is that is the aim, you know, to drop an album this year. Okay. Yeah, man. All right, then, well, been a long time, but get me, I had a <laughs> lot of questions for you because, yeah, as man. I said, I've been watching you from a very long time, so I appreciate yeah, man, you giving me the time and that. No problem at all. All right.